Welcome to the Autism Empowerment Podcast, your source for acceptance, enrichment, inspiration, and empowerment in autistic and autism communities worldwide. Wherever you identify in your autism or autistic journey, Autism Empowerment is here to meet you along the way. We are an autistic-led podcast, 501c3 nonprofit charity, and publisher of Spectrum Life magazine. In today's episode, we're previewing the fall 2021 issue of Spectrum Life magazine. From advocacy to education, to all across the lifespan, we've got a great issue to discuss. As we head into autumn, we're still going through a lot of change in our world. We don't want to fall behind, so let's get going. And we're back in the studio. Happy fall to my podcasting partner. Happy fall, John. Wafes, you sure are cheery today. How can I not be? It's our quarterly preview show for our upcoming fall issue of Spectrum Life magazine. And I'm looking forward to getting into the details. And guess what else? What else? Fun facts? You got it. I love fun facts. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm loving your positive feelings, and I want to feed off of that. Hello to our podcast friends. Thank you so much for joining us here today for the Autism Empowerment Podcast. My name is Karen Krejci, and I'm the executive director and co-founder of Autism Empowerment. I'm also one of your regular hosts. I'm here today with my husband, John Krejci, who is our programs director and other co-founder. Today is our behind-the-scenes preview of the fall 2021 issue of Spectrum Life magazine. I'm now going to turn this over to John, who'll be asking questions, sharing in the discussion, and helping us stay on track. Yes, welcome everyone out there, and I'm happy to keep the train on time and on the track. Karen, my first question to you is, why are we doing preview shows of a print magazine? Yes, good question. Back in April, which was during Autism Acceptance Month, and when our spring 2021 issue of Spectrum Life released, we thought it would be interesting to preview the magazine on the podcast. The idea we had at that time was that a lot of our podcast listeners might not be magazine readers. And also a lot of our readers might not be podcast listeners. So let's do a crossover between the magazine and the podcast that gives both audiences a taste of the different kinds of things we share in each format. In this way, we can let people know about the quality and diversity of the content that they can expect in each issue. And it also gives us a chance to go behind the scenes and share fun facts and other interesting details that people would not learn otherwise. That show worked out really well, and we got a lot of positive feedback, so we continued that with another preview show for our summer issue. Having just passed Autism Empowerment's 10th anniversary on June 3rd, 2021, we had a lot to talk about then. So that show was also well-received. In fact, it also celebrated the fifth year of us publishing Spectrum Life magazine. So here we are back again, ready to talk about our fall edition. So our fall edition... When is that coming out and when can people expect it? Funny that you asked. We actually have the next issue arriving on Monday, September 13th, 2021. Hey, wait a minute. Hold the phone. That's today. (laughs) Yes, John. You knew it was today. So you better be looking out for the delivery truck. Hopefully it won't interrupt our podcast. Okay. Yeah, I did know it was today. And yes, I am looking for the, the delivery. Yes. You then will be starting your deliveries tomorrow on the 14th. Would you like to talk a bit about your schedule for our listeners who live in the Southwest Washington and Portland metro area? I would be happy to. So as plans go, 
Plans can always change, but this is what I have scheduled. Starting on Tuesday, September 13th, we'll be doing the Vancouver area. And that time, we'll also be mailing out the subscriptions and also to our remote distribution points. And then on Wednesday, the 14th through 21st, I'll be doing deliveries around the Portland metro area, which will also include the Salem area. So for our listeners who are not aware, we recently expanded our delivery throughout other areas of Washington and Oregon as well. But there's only so many places that we can drive to within a one-week period. So what John does is we will mail the magazines to places like in Seattle or Spokane, I think. Bend or mm -hmm. the Tri-Cities. Those kinds of things, yes. So for people in Washington and Oregon, you can go ahead and go to the spectrumlife.org website under our find a copy section and check and see in your city where you can find the most current issue. If you don't live in that area, you can also read the magazine online or you can request a print subscription. That's absolutely correct. So what I'd like to do is go over the magazine section by section. But first, let's talk about the from the publisher piece. Thank you, John. In every issue on page four, I write a warm welcome and introduction to that issue's articles in my From the Publisher column. It's pretty short. It's usually about 350 words, but it includes thoughts from both a personal and professional lens. Then what I try to do is weave together how that particular issue is laid out and comes together. In this column, I talked a bit about seasonal change. Not only are we transitioning from summer into autumn, but many of us, with all that has happened throughout the past year, have taken time to reassess our life priorities and are in a new season of our lives as well, with family, school, employment, faith, and even purpose. As the leaves change colors, we're transforming too. At Autism Empowerment, we've thought about how important it is to share our message of what we do and what we stand for. We strive to help others thrive by promoting a culture of autism acceptance and providing enriching and inspiring content. We hope to empower others to live mighty, magnificent, purposeful lives filled with love, community, and meaning. This Autism Empowerment Podcast is one way we can serve toward our vision. Spectrum Life Magazine is another way we can positively advocate, as well as shine a light on others doing good to support our community. I love that. So that's a great preview of the publisher's piece. The first section of the magazine, though, is advocacy. The first article is an interview that you did with Cooney Foundation and its philanthropic ways. Yes, that was a great interview. The Cooney Foundation is a philanthropic organization based in Vancouver, Washington. They invest in scientists who advance cancer research, and they also invest in initiatives that help accelerate the inclusion of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. The founders of the organization, Wayne and Joan Cooney, were known in our region for their quiet yet profound commitment to community service. Two of their sons, Michael and Stephen, were born with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and Joan embarked on a lifelong journey of advocacy to ensure that her children, and later other individuals with disabilities, had a wide range of inclusive and person-focused opportunities. Although both Wayne and Joan have since passed, there's an article honoring Joan Cooney's legacy in the spring 2020 issue of Spectrum Life magazine. She was a fascinating and powerful woman. So you know that I love fun facts, and there's a fun fact about Joan that you have. Yes, indeed I do. The neat thing about Joan, oh my goodness, there's so many great things about her. 
She was born in 1930, and she was a trailblazer in many ways. She actually had experience as a disc jockey and a news reporter at a college radio station. And that helped pave the way for her to get a job at WJRAM Radio in Detroit, Michigan. So given that we have a podcast here at Autism Empowerment and we have a magazine with Spectrum Life magazine, and there are just some parallels there, I just thought it was a very fun fact about Joan to share. I love that connection. I do too. Anyway, Cooney Foundation Philanthropy has continued on after Wayne and Joan's passing and has positively touched countless individuals throughout the Pacific Northwest. It's included financial support and hands-on volunteer efforts to support medical, educational, and human services organizations. In this article, I connected with Angela Holt, Cooney Foundation president, to learn about the many ways that the Cooney Foundation family and team is working together to support people with intellectual and developmental disabilities in housing, advocacy, and a lot of other endeavors as well. The funny thing is that Angela had a fun fact for you, correct? Yes. And what was really fun about that was that when she sent back the interview answers to the questions I asked her, she used the verbiage fun fact herself. <laughs> that is a fun fact <laughs> in and of itself. <laughs> so I thought that was awesome. Now, I'm not sure if it was because she had listened to our podcast and knew of our incredible love and desire for fun facts or whether that she was a fun fact aficionado or what the case might be. However, we certainly appreciate her sharing this with us. And that fun fact is that in 2020, the Cooney Foundation awarded more than $4.5 million in grants to support housing and inclusive programs in Oregon and Washington for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Well, that's not only fun, that's pretty amazing to me. We should also let people know that Autism Empowerment was blessed by the Cooney Foundation in one of those grants to help support Spectrum Life magazine to reach more people who are underserved. Yes, we're very grateful for that partnership and do want to be transparent. Autism Empowerment was the recipient of an imagination grant to support our Autism Empowerment multimedia programming, which includes Spectrum Life magazine and also the Autism Empowerment podcast. Under our Autism Empowerment lens, John, you and I, we also collaborated together with the Cooney Foundation as part of a focus and advisory group that helped assess housing insecurity in our region, as well as difficulties that people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, including autistic adults, have in finding stable and affordable housing. And this study was done pre-COVID, correct? Yes. I won't go into intricate details of that here, but suffice to say that people in our community are severely undercounted and if you visit CooneyFoundation.org, you will see copies of their reports and work they are doing in housing and advocacy in that area. We also include links in our Spectrum Life article and on our websites. We're so grateful to the Cooney Foundation and all that they do in our community in the areas of housing and advocacy. In the article, they list a lot of different types of projects. We include some pictures of some of the work they're doing, talk a little bit about some of the advocacy initiatives they're involved with. And it's just a real benefit for everybody in that Washington, Oregon area that is impacted. We are also quite grateful that they support us here, helping us provide the opportunity for more people to have access to important educational resources and empowerment is a positive way that we can learn from one another, break down silos among educational, medical, and government systems, and more importantly, 
by doing work like the podcast, doing work like the magazine, and sharing stories like the advocacy that they're doing and the partners they're working with, we can work together to help lift each other up and shine a great light on the work that is going on in our community, as well as where there needs to be more support. I really like the fact that I was able to read all about the different projects that they supported and the associated pictures that went along with each project that they were working on. The next article in the advocacy section was by one of our longtime contributors, Judy Endow. It was actually our Stories from the Spectrum article. Yes. In each issue, we have at least one piece that we designate Stories from the Spectrum, Autism from an Autistic Perspective. The idea that we're trying to convey and what we've done from the beginning is that one essential way for people to learn about what it's like being autistic is to proactively and meaningfully include autistic voices in the conversation. Our magazine tends to do that on a regular basis, so that isn't particularly unique for us. However, in the wider world, when you look at conversations among autism communities, they're often led by parents or parent-led organizations, doctors, therapists, and other professionals who, though might be very well-meaning, often are not autistic, and so don't always include an autistic lens as part of the discussion. And that's so very important. It is very important. And from our first issue, we wanted to be deliberate about sharing that importance of listening to autistic voices. So through the years, we've had youth and adults of diverse backgrounds contributing to this section. There's been poetry, we've had opinion pieces, stories, and in the case of Judy Endow, pieces that share some of her personal experience as an autistic woman in her 60s, along with a learning lesson for our readers. This is one of those pieces. Can you share with our listeners what that was called? Don't Define Me By My Deficits. And what was that about? So we all know that in order to get an autism diagnosis, we need to be diagnosed by someone. In this piece, Judy talks about how there are certain criteria, certain characteristics that need to be in play in order for us to get that autism diagnosis. This is through the medical model. You'll find clinicians will use a diagnostic and statistical manual, the DSM-5, to diagnose autism and, and other conditions. It's good to be able to have a diagnosis because it allows people to be able to get services. It allows them to be able to get support either through educational support services like an individualized education program in a school or government support systems like through a developmental disabilities administration, those kinds of things. However, once we get beyond the needing to define this to have services, we want to make sure that we don't teach a child, teach an adult, that all they are is the deficits of autism, that being autistic is so much more. It's very easy, especially in early years, to fall into a trap of negative, 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 what you can't do. In this way, children can oftentimes grow up with negative self-image, always hearing what they're unable to do rather than what they can. Judy's main point in this article is that we should be helping our children define themselves by the things that they can do and that we should be encouraging them to find their gifts and strengths and to be focusing on those things. How we define ourselves and lead ourselves to rich, fulfilling lives is by what we can do and not what we can't. One line I love from Judy's article is this. It matters more in my life today that I can write books, 
do public speaking, and run my own consulting business than it does that my speech was delayed, I was institutionalized as a child, or have a classic autism diagnosis. That reminds me of a fun fact. You actually did a poem yourself a while back. I did. And that was called? Autism Does Not Define Me. So the reason that we're bringing this up is that there's a parallel, right? Autism does not define me. And then Judy's article, Don't Define Me by My Deficits. So back in 2010, I wrote a poem called Autism Does Not Define Me that ended up being published in a variety of different places, including Chicken Soup for the Soul. Although it's a poem, the theme is complementary because it talks about not defining people by their deficits. I wrote it soon after our two children were diagnosed on the autism spectrum. I was diagnosed as well for our listeners who may be listening in for the first time and not realize I'm autistic. And one of the lines in that poem was defining me as my diagnosis ignores my essence and best qualities. The point here with the poem, the point with Judy's article is that we are so much more, that how we end up defining ourselves is so much more than what we can't do. So go ahead and check out Judy's article and also check out episode nine of the Autism Empowerment Podcast, where you can actually hear the poem and read it and have it discussed in more detail. And of course, we'll have that in the show notes. And not only is that a fun fact, it was a beautiful poem. And I love reading that multiple times. (laughs) I remember when you had that published, that was really beautiful. So now let's move on to lifespan. This started out with a public service announcement. The PSA was around employment. Yes, it was. You know how there's different months for different causes? Yes, I do. March is Developmental Disabilities Awareness Month. April is Autism Acceptance Month. October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. So what's the purpose of the National Disability Employment Awareness Month? The purpose of National Disability Employment Awareness Month, also known as NDEAM. Oh, good. Another acronym we can have. (laughs) Excellent. That's what I was always looking for. I know. Nadim. (laughs) (laughs) The purpose is to educate workers and employers about disability employment issues, and it's also to celebrate the variety of contributions that America's workers with disabilities make. Every year they have a theme, and this year's theme is America's Recovery, Powered by Inclusion. Since this falls into our autumn issue. Very nice. Thank you. Fun there. I like that. <laughs> and it's a topic that's always important to people within autism and disability communities. We want to make sure to highlight the importance with a statement of support for our community. And also we wanted to share employment resources that were related to this year's NDEAM, Nadim campaign. And if you look up hashtag NDEAM, you can find resources on that as well. That's why I needed two is another hashtag. You do. You, you need another hashtag. So Autism Empowerment invites Autism Empowerment podcast listeners to participate. Those within autistic and disabilities communities tend to be underemployed or unemployed. And as autistic and disability rights advocates, together we can work to enrich and empower employees, entrepreneurs, apprentices, interns, and the self-employed. We can support a more inclusive workforce where every person can be recognized for their contributions and giftings. The PSA itself also has a variety of different links that are in there too. NDEAM is actually a campaign of the U.S. Department of Labor 
as part of their Office of Disability Employment Policy. This is actually their 20th year. ODEP celebrates 20 years. So there's some links that we have to their site and the different disability employment sites that they're linked in with. They're for youth, they're for adults, they're for employers and potential employees. There's just a lot of good stuff there as well. Also, to be able to support people who are looking for work and opportunities to earn money, we actually wrote a separate article in our recreation section that is employment related. And we'll go ahead and talk about that shortly when we get into that section. So that's a great tie-in for both of those sections together. Thank you. Next up is the article, which was our cover story feature for this issue. John, this is where you interviewed Mara McLaughlin from In Real Life Social Skills, IRL Social Skills. Tell us more. Absolutely. Thank you for passing the baton back to me. So IRL, or In Real Life Social Skills, is based out of Portland, but serve regionally and nationwide. They're a business which offers social skills training for teens and adults. The coaching and teaching offered is based on the PEERS, P-E-E-R-S program based out of UCLA. Is PEERS an acronym? What's PEERS? It is another acronym because we always need more acronyms. That's a great question. It stands for Program for the Education and Enrichment of Relational Skills. So IRL, or In Real Life Social Skills, is not trying to fix anybody or they're not trying to see people as broken, but just that they need help in navigating real-life issues. The way they advertise this on their website is a program where autistic and neurodivergent families learn life-changing skills. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. They have two different groups that they serve. They serve teens and adults. The program addresses a number of areas. And if you like, can go over that. I'd like that. And their program currently runs online. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Via Zoom. What kind of topics do they discuss? So the things that they discuss are finding common interests with other people, getting in and out of conversations, which can be very challenging at times. Oh, especially for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're pretty good at that. The use of humor, arranging get-togethers, how to handle issues around bullying, working out disagreements, and last but not least, dating. One of the great things is that they took the program and then had it peer-reviewed by autistic youth and adults, who then gave them recommendations, and they made improvements to the program. All people can have help with social skills. I for sure can. But sometimes social skills training has many different meanings within the autism community. You're right about that. And you're also right that all of us can use help with social skills and communication. For me being autistic, I know for you being neurodiverse, being dyslexic. Absolutely. We have trouble a lot of times getting what's in our head out of our mouth in a way that makes sense. And we can all benefit, whether or not we're neurodiverse, we can all benefit from skills that can help us better interact with each other. So I'm really excited about the work that they're doing. But you brought up a good point. Social skills is sometimes a loaded term. People don't always know exactly what it means. In our region, it's really common in local elementary, middle, and high school for children that are on the autism spectrum to be involved in some sort of social communication or behavioral life skills type of program. And the curriculum that's presented in those classes varies. But one of the general goals is to help each student better communicate, which is something, again, all students can benefit from. Some of these social skills types of programs are either pull-out curriculums where a student will spend some time outside of their 
regular classroom, and then some are actually integrated into regular classroom learning with all students. You and I knew before we did the interview with Mara that their neurodiverse friendly approach to social skills training using peers was going to be quite a bit different than a lot of the curriculum that's in the schools. But the word social skills can trigger awkward feelings with some and can sometimes be seen as a euphemism for less than. It absolutely can be. And to help differentiate that, we asked a really good question of Mara, and I think she did an awesome job of answering it. Did you want to cover that question here? Yes, yes, absolutely. Here was the question. Social skills training programs have a mixed reputation because they're so varied. So how do you ensure that your program respects autistic and neurodiverse communities? This was her answer. Most social skills programs are not tailored to the way autistic people learn. There's one very popular social skills program that primarily uses metaphors. Autistic people struggle with metaphors. Very few social skills programs are evidence-based, and they don't include a parent training component to help generalize. Peers is a strengths-based program instead of a deficit compliance-based program. Autistic people don't need to be fixed or to act quote-unquote normal. They're not broken, and they don't need to quote-unquote act in any way. However, we can't sit idly by while wonderful autistic people are socially isolated and peer-rejected because they haven't learned some basic skills, how to find a source of friends. I really love that answer. I really think that we could all use some in-real-life social skills. Absolutely, and I love that answer as well. But wait, there is a fun fact alert. Oh my goodness, another fun fact alert. Yes, funny thing again is I got an email from Mara after the interview, questions came back to me and the article was starting to be put together mm-hmm. and it started out this way. Thank you so much, John. Fun fact. And wait, wait, she, did she literally type that out? She literally, just like Angela did, <laughs> typed out fun fact. Awesome, that is. Absolutely. So the fun fact, do you want to hear it? Yes, okay. what was the fun fact? So she said that she had started uh, Pacific Northwest's first yoga-specific magazine in 2002, and it featured Dale Davis, one of the Portland Trailblazers, on the cover, and it was the first time a trailblazer was on the cover of a yoga magazine. Very cool. That is a fun fact. Love all of these fun facts. I do. I think we started something there, yeah. I think we started a trend. We started a trend, and we'll continue with it. Moving on from that fun fact, what was the last article in Lifespan? Great segue. The last article in that section was another article from Judy Endow called Autistic Behavior and Willfulness. This piece talks about the problems that can arise when people attribute negative intentionality to the behavior of an autistic person and then regard that as fact. So what does that mean? Yeah, so let's put that out in Let's put it in real, real terms, right? In real terms, right? Okay, so what that would mean is that, for example... If we were going into a classroom of young kids and we saw a child exhibit behavior that was not considered appropriate, for example, throwing toys, we might look at that behavior and immediately make a decision on why that child was doing that kind of behavior. Now, that would be natural for us to try to figure out. And then in doing so and making that assessment, we would use that information to potentially help problem solve. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. You're with me. So keeping that information in mind, what Judy is saying 
is that the lens that we use, the lens our neurology, our brain uses to look through at a particular situation outside of us is just that. It's the lens of our own neurology. And so it propels us to ask what the behavior would mean if we were engaged in it. We're basically looking at things from our own perspective, our own life view, and we're going to be likely to default to our own neurology. So a person who's not autistic or neurotypical, or in Judy's article, she says part of the neuromajority, they would look through a neuromajority lens. A person who's autistic would look through an autistic lens. But the thing is that people who are autistic often do behaviors for reasons that are not understandable to people who are not autistic. Who are in the neuromajority. Right. So when people who are not autistic make those attributions to people who are autistic, oftentimes they're generally wrong. And it can become very difficult because they're coming at a different um, lens. It can be very wrong. It's where a lot of times people will assume behaviors or tantrums or things like that. I guess an easy way to say is a lot of times it would be like assuming that a kid's throwing a tantrum when they may really be having a reaction, a sensory reaction to an issue. Or they might be throwing a toy because they want to play, but they don't know how to engage and ask to participate. And people might assume that they're being naughty or that they just don't want to play or that they're mean. So the important thing to take out of this article is that we need to be mindful to not become stuck in our own problem solving when we come up with a situation where we need to help a child work through a challenge or we need to help an adult work through a challenge if they think quite a bit differently than us. And she uses a lot of examples in the article related to a five-year-old child in a classroom setting. I hope the teachers and parents find it useful. I think that there's a larger discussion at play behind this regarding perspective taking that goes beyond the scope of today's conversation. But really the big point I'd like to get out is that we all need to be mindful that when we see behavior, behavior is a form of communication. Absolutely. And we have to play burying detective sometimes to figure out what that communication is telling us rather than make assumptions that someone is willfully being negative. I totally get that. The thing I love about Judy's articles are that they are very easy to read for me personally, and I can relate to a lot of the different analogies or the situations that she gives. So I really appreciate her writing, and I really enjoyed reading this particular article as well. So I hope our listeners, when they go out there, they can read it and enjoy it and get some good information out of that as well. Mm-hmm. It's a good piece for parents. It's a good piece for teachers or for people who work with children or teens or people on the spectrum. I totally agree. Now let's move on to the recreation section and the article that you did. You've always been a person to augment your income, and you've actually started your professional career in the employment industry. So who better to write the following article? And I say nobody. And the article is 10 Hobbies That Can Help You Earn Money. Aw, thanks for the handover. That was so sweet. Not a problem. As we mentioned before, October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And as you mentioned, I do have years of experience within the employment industry. We do try to write some type of employment article within each fall issue as employment, underemployment, and unemployment are all huge issues within the autism community. 
Now, this particular piece, although it's geared towards autistic and disability communities, the content within is applicable to anybody who's reading it, who's looking to potentially earn some extra income with their passions. So the idea for this piece was to help people creatively think about earning opportunities, whether you're looking for part-time income, whether you're looking for a side gig, whether you're looking to potentially have a different type of career, we wanted to put something out there that would get people creatively thinking. This article is really for anybody who has a passion or hobby who's interested in maybe earning a little bit of side income with it. So for this article, we wanted to explore ways to take a person's passion or hobbies and turn that into an income earning opportunity. The article's broken down into 10 sections based on popular kinds of hobbies. We then include a few money-earning ideas for each, as well as a few resources that you can check out afterwards that have links. So what are some of the 10 sections? We try to cover a wide range of hobbies within because we know that people have diverse interests. Some include writing, photography, music, technology, arts, crafts, and creative design. Wait a minute, we have breaking news. Uh, yet another fun fact. Stop the presses. No, wait, we can't do that because the magazine's almost here. <laughs> What's your fun fact? The fun fact is that in your article, you had fun facts. Ah, oh, yes. You're right, John. I do have fun facts within my article to make the article more fun. In this case, the fun facts that were included were highlighting the successes of two people who had been interviewed previously in Spectrum Life magazine who had taken their passions and turned them into entrepreneurial endeavors. One was an autistic teenager named Spencer Kelly who had started the Expedition Soap Company and we interviewed him in the winter 2017 issue of Spectrum Life magazine. And you know what? We have tried a lot of his soaps, and they are amazing. They are. Right? I love it. Christmas time, he has coal. <laughs> you get coal in your stocking, John. Yes, you do. The other article we did was about Connor Wartendyke and his artwork. He creates these colorful, vibrant paintings that are sold online, and also some of those are turned into jewelry as well. Yes, I actually interviewed his mom, Carrie Ansbro, about art by Connor for our winter 2019 issue. And I think we're going to include the links in the show notes as well, right? Yes. We thought it would be useful for readers to have examples of how people on the spectrum were utilizing their gifts in entrepreneurial ways. The two stories themselves are quite different. And we actually had the privilege of meeting both people. Spencer, we had met at a World Autism Conference that was held in Portland, Oregon. And Connor's from the local area, and he's mostly non-speaking. And so that's why you interviewed his mom for the article. That's correct. Great pieces, both of them. At the end of the article, the one that we did here for the hobbies, we also include additional gig and freelance websites, as well as some resources for mentoring and entrepreneurship. We want people to have opportunities for wherever they are to be able to potentially work from home and be able to either sell the crafts they make or freelance online, those kinds of things. So there's a lot of great resources in that way in the article as well. Also, one resource that I found particularly valuable for myself was the VIA, V-I-A, Survey of Character Strengths. It's a free 
self-assessment. It takes less than 15 minutes and it helps you understand what your best strengths and qualities are. So that kind of helps you think about the types of work and things that you value and what's important to you. I even took that and I found some things out about myself. That's great, John. I am so glad to hear that you did that. We hope that everyone out there finds value from this article and that it sparks their creative thinking. One of our goals is to empower people to live awesome, mighty lives pursuing work and passions that they enjoy. This is meant to be a starting place, to move forward and let people know of the many options that there are out there. You don't just have to be in a J-O-B, just over broke. You can pursue a passion that you love, and often you can get paid for it too. So let us know what you think. The next section we'll be talking about is education. But before we get to that, at the start of the section, we reserved a page to let people know about Give More 24. This is a day of giving that is coming up online on Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. Thank you, John, for bringing this up. Give More 24 is a day of online giving where people from all over come together to support their favorite nonprofits. Our listeners out there may be familiar with Giving Days, particularly the one called Giving Tuesday, which happens in the United States and I believe around the world, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving of each year. In order to support charity work in other times of the year, a lot of different regions around the country will host their own giving events. In the region where we live, every year since 2014, the Community Foundation of Southwest Washington hosts a special event called Give More 24. Although all of the organizations that participate are either in Southwest Washington or provide support to the area, donors from around the country and around the world are invited and encouraged to participate. Autism Empowerment supports Southwest Washington, but we also support Oregon, the Northwest, the West Coast, and around the United States. With our Autism Empowerment podcast and Spectrum Life magazine, our content extends throughout many parts of the world. This year, our initial goal is to raise $10,000. We're excited to announce that we have $4,500 in matching fund dollars to start. What that means is that if someone comes in on that day and donates $100, their gift will be matched with an additional $100 until that $4,500 in matching funds is depleted. Last year, we tried to raise $10,000 and we missed our goal by just a few hundred dollars. Oh, we were so close. I know we can do it this year. Yes, I am hoping. Although September 23rd is the big day of giving, they also added in the opportunity for early giving. And this is really neat because people aren't always available on hand to be able to give that day. And actually, early giving starts today, Monday, September 13th, for those who want to help early and are not able to be around on the 23rd. So we would love to have your support. How can people make a contribution? You can go to give more 24 givemore24.org, and search Autism Empowerment. We will also have a direct link for you on the show notes on our autismempowermentpodcast.org page. It's on our autismempowerment.org site. It'll also be on our spectrumlife.org site. We're also going to be doing different posts on social media throughout that day to let people know how we're doing and the progress. So we would love, we would really appreciate for you to join in. We want to give shouts out to all of the people who support us. Of course, you're welcome to support us anonymously. A lot of people choose to do that. You'll get to see how we're doing. And we would just love to have you participate as well. 
So what if um, someone's listening to this and it's after September 23rd? If you're listening to this afterwards, we can use your support too. We can always use your support to further our cause. Just visit us at www.autismempowerment.org and click the donate button at the top. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so that does mean that if you live in the United States that your donation is tax deductible. So we definitely appreciate your thoughtfulness, your support and generosity. Please share with your friends. On our website, we share other ways that you can potentially get involved and help us out. We truly appreciate all of our ambassadors for autism acceptance. For those who will be giving on that day and sharing our message, thank you in advance. And we will have the links, again, like Karen said, in the show notes. Now back to your regular scheduled program (laughs) after that moment of break. Now, what was the first article in this section of education? Yes, the first article in our education section was from Aaron Blackwelder, who is a high school teacher, parent of two teenagers on the autism spectrum, and one of our regular educational contributors. For our winter 2020-21 issue that came out in January of this year, Aaron wrote an article for us called Permission to Fail. This was an extension of that article, kind of a remix of it, and it's called Permission to Have Patience. Fun fact. Fun fact alert. Yes. It's our general practice to release the blog version of each article on our website within 24 to 48 hours of the print magazine arriving to us. We do this to keep interest for the print issue so that when someone sees an article posted online that they like, they'll also have interest in checking out that entire issue. Anyway, because of the timeliness and importance of this particular piece, we made an exception with permission to have patience and published it on our blog at the beginning of last week. So it's actually up there right now. It's targeted to families and educators at the beginning of the school year with a theme of having patience and grace. We all know that the last school year was rough with remote and hybrid learning. It was Oh my tough. gosh, it sure was tough. Yeah, it was tough for our kids. Uh, it was tough for parents. It was tough for teachers. We all know that this new school year is going to present its own challenges and look quite a bit different. What Aaron's trying to get across in this article is that we don't know what's coming this school year. We don't know exactly what it's going to hold for us. But what we do know is that we're going to continue to have administrators scrambling to help support their staff. We're going to continue to have teachers looking for new ways to challenge and engage with their students. We're going to continue to have students who will be coming to school energized to learn but not knowing what to expect, a bit nervous too. And we're going to have parents who will be feeling that burden for their children's well-being. And there'll be a lot of change, right? a lot of adjustment. So Aaron provides wise advice to parents and educators throughout the article with strategies for each. And a lot of that advice revolves around the need to practice patience and have grace. How wonderful about having patience and grace. Yes, I agree. It is difficult out there, but we can get through this. We have gotten through so much before. There is still so much that is unknown. I think we're going to get through this year a lot stronger by practicing the golden rule of loving our neighbor. Absolutely. That's going to be a lot more effective and healthy for ourselves and for our children and for the teachers within the community 
than it is if we go into things with an attitude of looking to engage in conflict around every corner. As Aaron points out at the end of his article, we don't have to get this school year perfect. It's going to be impossible to do that because none of us are perfect. But we still have the opportunity to make this school year special and for our children to learn. We simply need to have patience through the process. And we'll make sure that we have that link to permission to have patience in the show notes as well. Absolutely. We will have that for people. Thanks again for going over that. What we definitely need is love, grace, and patience. Those are three big things in this world to make this world a lot better place. So next, I want to give a big thank you in advance to Diane Wiskarson and her whole staff and their support that they've given to Spectrum Life and Autism Empowerment over the years. She really has taught me personally a lot of different things about special education law, from transportation to all of the alphabet soup of the special education world. So what did Diane Wiskarson have for us next? Yes, I have learned so much from... Diane Wiskarson, Wiskarson Law, their writings uh, about special education law. They're able to put things into terms that we who don't have legal backgrounds can understand. And Karen, you're a lifelong learner, and I love being a lifelong learner as well. The information that she puts out is really important. It's very important. And a lot of the things that go on with special education law are topics that affect our kids. They're not things that the schools necessarily jump in and tell us. So a lot of times we have to learn these things on our own. In this particular case, the article that's in this issue is about the do's and don'ts of restraint and seclusion. Now, that is a hot button topic. This particular article talks about what is restraint what is seclusion, and then it goes more into depth about the definitions and answers additional questions such as, when is it okay to use restraint and seclusion? What are the limitations? What procedures does a school have to follow? And who is allowed to legally restrain a student? What should parents do if their child is being restrained or secluded at school? And there's no plan in place for that to happen. What is the school's responsibility? And what if a child is restrained repeatedly or illegally? So there is a lot to unpack there. I am not going to get into the intricate details of those questions and answers because that is something that Diane Wiskarson and Taylor Lewis cover in their article. And it would be the subject of its own podcast, which I hope that we'll be covering in the future. But it would be better that our listeners read that article. However, because it's such a controversial topic, I did want to share one important takeaway from the article, and that is that restraint and seclusion should only be used, only be used, as last resorts for educators, and only when no less restrictive measures are available. Now on to health and wellness. Can you give a sneak peek behind that curtain? I know the first article was by Dr. Anson Service, where he explores ADHD and autism. Dr. Service has been a wonderful addition to our team of contributing writers. This is his third article for Spectrum Life magazine. And as a neurodivergent doctor, we really appreciate his personal and professional perspectives. Well, I have to tell you, Karen, this is one of the greatest things working with so many different types of writers out there. All of the different lenses that they bring to the magazine. We need to be more inclusive in this world and take a a look 
at things from other people's points of view and, and walk a mile in their shoes. One reason why we were excited for Dr. Service to write this piece about ADHD and autism is because the clinicians at his practice, Adventure Psychological Services, they regularly diagnose teens and adults with autism and or ADHD. Additionally, Dr. Service has an ADHD diagnosis and family members who are autistic. There are so many overlapping features of autism and ADHD that it can be quite difficult to separate features and characteristics of autism and ADHD from each other. We'd been wanting to write about ADHD and autism at Spectrum Life magazine for quite a while, but we just kept running into that same problem. How do we differentiate? And so when we brought this idea to Dr. Service, even he had some challenges in trying to figure out what was the best approach to be able to take to writing this article. So he decided that rather than create an exhaustive list of features, let's go deeper, let's take a deep dive and go deeper into the reason why ADHD and autism may be similar and yet so different. So he talks about that a lot in his piece. It's a very positive piece. It's a great article for anybody who has one of those two diagnoses or thinks that they might qualify. Oh, I agree. It was a very fascinating article for me to read the differences and just him going back and forth. And I think people out there hopefully will enjoy that article as well. Absolutely. A lot of us on the autism spectrum actually have ADHD too. Or if we don't actually have the full diagnosis, we share a lot of the different characteristics of it, particularly when it comes to executive functioning. So I think everybody within the spectrum life autism empowerment community can benefit from the read. I, I agree with you. Next is our Ask Spectrum Life column. There you start out with questions that you've received and then respond to them in Ask Spectrum Life. Yes, this is a feature that we have in every issue of our magazine. And in this column, I try to cover questions that are frequently asked and where the answers would be applicable to a significant number of readers. That being said, a lot of the questions that we have come in are of the sort which go beyond the scope of our capabilities. For example, we're not trained to give medical or legal advice, nor do we endorse any particular service provider or therapy. We do share resources that we hope are helpful, but it's the responsibility of the people that we serve to discuss professional treatment options with professional providers. Okay, why did I say that? It sounds a little bit like a legal disclaimer, but since the pandemic started, we've been receiving an increasing number of mental health-related questions, and rightfully so. This has done a number on all of us. Many of us on the spectrum have challenges with depression and anxiety, myself included, and a lot of us benefit from counseling and mental health support. I totally agree with that statement. So for this particular issue, what was the question for Aspectrum Life? Let me go ahead and read it. This comes to us from Terry in Tigard. COVID-19 has done a number on me mentally, physically, and emotionally. I tend to escape to social media, but my autistic and ADHD brain has me hopping from one site and message board to another. Before I know it, I've wasted hours of time and feel guilty, anxious, and frustrated with the world. How can I make it stop? So That's that, a great question. Yeah, and it's a super relatable question. I kind of felt seen there because I'm the kind of person who has 
15 windows open, hopping down research rabbit holes. It's very easy to get caught up in social media. So I wanted to be able to put out an answer there that was going to be beneficial to those of us who have gone online, spent a lot more time online since this pandemic started, and might be looking for a way to be able to step away a bit. Some people find it beneficial to their mental health to be able to delete their social media accounts and completely unplug. I have a number of friends and relatives who've done that. However, for many, that's not practical due to work or family circumstances. So in that case, I suggested considering a social media detox. In the Aspectrum Life piece, I go on to define what a social media detox is, how you do it, and then I give seven reasons why stepping away from social media, even temporarily, can be beneficial for one's mental health and the benefits that can come as a result from that. That would make an excellent podcast, I think. Yes. We've got at least five or six shows we need to complete ahead of that. However, I really do want to put that topic into a podcast episode in late fall or winter because there's so many of us out there that could benefit from stepping away from social media for a while. But until then, please go ahead and check out the article at our spectrumlife.org website or in the magazine. Our good friend Ryan Lockhart rounds out the section with emotional and mental barriers to fitness. Ryan's also wonderful to work with. He rocks. He does. So a lot of us out there on the spectrum, and actually those of us not on the spectrum, have some mental barriers and challenges when it comes to exercise, perhaps being motivated. And yet when you think about becoming more mentally healthy, one of the first things that doctors tell us is to become more active. So how do you break down those barriers that prevent you from getting started or prevent you from continuing? How do you do that? Yeah. So in preparation for this article, what I did was I sent a list of common reasons that people tell themselves that they don't want to exercise, and I sent it to Ryan for help. As a professional trainer that works daily with people who are within our community, I knew he'd have great suggestions for us. So whether your barrier is, I'm self-conscious about the way I look, I don't have the energy to work out, I'm not coordinated, or exercise is really boring, Ryan's got some great ways for you to reframe your thinking so that you can become more active and you can stay more active. Even if you have to wear a sloth hiking t-shirt? <laughs> Even if you have to wear a sloth hiking team t-shirt, especially that. We'll get there when we get there. So just as a fun fact, over this past summer, Kara and I and the family have done different hikes around the area, and we have these t-shirts that Karen had gotten that said Sloth Hiking Team. We'll or, get there when we get there. <laughs> yes. So we will get there when we get there. Mm -hmm. They're really cute. And what I liked about it is that it kept us motivated. We kept going. I know that we wouldn't be the fastest ones on the trail, but we would get to our destination, and we did. Oh, yeah, and then we'd have people coming, passing us going and passing us coming back, <laughs> basically, and they would make lots of great comments and showing the sloths lots of love. Oh, absolutely. And the thing was that was really motivating. I'm a bigger girl, and people were very encouraging and very supportive. So it just helped keep us going. Yeah. So, so let's move on to our next and last section, therapy. Okay. This is where you interviewed Dr. Cynthia Arnold from New Leaves Clinic in Hillsborough. Yes, Cynthia has 
been a wonderful ally for those within the autism and the neurodiverse community. She really works to get to know the community and the people within it and the concerns within the community. What kind of services does New Leaves Clinic offer? That's a great question. So they offer a wide range of mental health services that can provide assessment and diagnostic testing for autism, ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and behavioral differences. They also offer mental health therapy in a kind of a more of a holistic way. I know that they have a lot of great resources on their website as well to help people, which I thought was neat. I also really liked the story behind their name, New Leaves. Each acorn holds the potential to become an oak tree. Life is measured in seasons, and every autumn holds the promise of spring. As such, we firmly believe that everyone is capable of new leaves. Nice. That is beautiful. Which brings me to a fun fact alert. (laughs) What? You have a fun fact? Do tell. When we were putting together the magazine and we were working on the cover... Our amazing graphic designer, Dave Bourne, gave us two covers to choose from. Oh, no, I know where you're going. (laughs) Now, one of them is the beautiful in real life social skills cover that you see, that artwork for the show, and is the cover of the magazine. The second one. Tell me about the second one, Karen. (laughs) The second beautiful cover was a mock-up of you with a beautiful, glorious array of leaves around your head. Fall leaves. New leaves. You were turning over... A A new new leaf. leaf. (laughs) It was perfect to include in the New Leaves Clinic article. And you can see a photo of that on page 45 in your bio photo, just in case you missed it. But please do go ahead and read that article because it's a great piece about New Leaves Clinic. I'll go ahead and have a link to that as well. Well played, Sherlock. Well played. Before we leave, we have two more questions. Where can people find a copy of Spectrum Life magazine? They can find a copy of Spectrum Life magazine on our website at www.spectrumlife.org. On the site, there is a section called Find a Copy. This will tell you where you can physically find a copy in Washington and Oregon. Now, please note that not all places are accepting the magazine due to some COVID-19 restrictions. We have about, what, 550 or so? Yeah, most places that aren't receiving them currently are are the hospitals, Mm -hmm. which makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, about 550 locations. Okay. And, again, some of those are the ones that we mail to as well. So we list the locations in Washington and Oregon alphabetically. So you can go to your city and then look underneath and see the different providers that are there. We also have a subscription option for $20 a year in the United States. That includes all of the issues we publish in a year. And that really just covers the postage for that. We will also have an electronic version of the full magazine, as well as shareable individual blog articles. And those will be up on the website by Tuesday, September 14th. I left this one for last because it was very important. Feedback. We want feedback and we want to know how we are doing here at Spectrum Life Magazine and Autism Empowerment. And we'd love to know what you'd like to see in the future. We cannot always guarantee that your suggestions will show up, but at least we can hear from you and get your feedback. We really appreciate that. Feedback allows us to not only know how we're doing, but It also shares with us how we can improve and 
what people really are interested in learning about. You're right, John. We can't always put everything in the magazine as we have limited space, but it does give us an idea of the kinds of issues that are important to people and that are on their minds. If a listener out there is curious about a particular topic, then chances are good if they share it with us that someone else is interested in learning more about that too. In the show notes, as well as in the magazine, we will have a link for our fall feedback survey that you can participate in. And by doing so, it'll also put your name in the drawing to potentially win some autism empowerment swag too. This has been our third preview show, and I really enjoyed doing these and spending, obviously, time with you, Karen, and spending time with our listeners out there. So thank you to our listeners for listening, and thank you, Karen, for being my great partner. And I'm sending this back to you, Karen, to close us out. Thank you so much, John. I have had an awesome time with you again today. You are a wonderful podcasting partner. I'm glad we are back in this booth. And I am looking forward to our next collaboration. Thank you so much to our listeners. We enjoy you spending time with us here. Before we go, I do want to give one more positive philanthropic plug to support autism empowerment with a financial gift during Give More 24 on Thursday, September 23rd at givemore24.org. Or if you prefer, you can start early giving now. Investing in programs like Spectrum Life Magazine and our Autism Empowerment Podcast is an investment in autistic and human potential. We're super excited and passionate to bring content like this to autism and autistic communities, but we really can't do it without the support of listeners like you. As we go about our lives, may we remember that every day should be a day to promote autism acceptance. Until autistics of all ages, abilities, and intersecting identities have the resources to be safe, healthy, enriched and empowered to live their best, mightiest lives possible, we need to continue advocating for positive change. Come join us as an Autism Empowerment Ambassador for Autism Acceptance. We appreciate you hanging out with us and thank you for your time. You've been listening to the Autism Empowerment Podcast. If you'd like to get connected with our community as well as all the great support and content we have planned for the future, please hit the subscribe button and visit www.autismempowermentpodcast.org for show notes, transcripts, social media details, Spectrum Life magazine, and more. As a 501c3 nonprofit charity, we rely upon support from listeners like you to produce our podcast and other programs. We appreciate you leaving a positive review, sharing us with your family and friends, and considering a tax-deductible donation today. Thank you again.